Reignite on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business. We see it, we back it. Now, I'm delighted to welcome to the Reignite studio Sheena Cahill. Sheena is Public Affairs Manager at Gashka, the President's Award, an organisation I'm involved with myself. She's also a former President of the Union of Students Ireland and a prominent campaigner for LGBTQ equality. And it's great also to welcome back Paula Fitzsimons. Paula is National Director of Going for Growth and a long-time champion of female entrepreneurship. Good morning to you both. Sheena, to come to you first, listening to Caroline there and particularly women in Afghan and minorities, the glass ceiling for them has just become what feels like triple glaze this week, if not just almost invisible. Yeah, almost like cement at this point. Um, yeah, there's no doubt. And, and Caroline makes some great points um, that lead to the to the fact that like we don't bang on about feminism and women's rights and women's rights in the workplace and diversity in the workplace for the crack. Uh, the reason why we do, the reason why people like me talk about it uh, and the reason why we're loud about it is because Afghanistan is just this week's example of how quickly those things can turn, how rights can be overturned or at least put in question. I mean, and questions like working outside the home the question of education, the question of modest clothing, what does that look like? question of socialising and being escorted in public. All questions now uh, sitting uh, on the laps of every young woman and girl in Afghanistan this week. And I think don't let, I suppose, the the lack of maybe inherent violence initially on our, on our airwaves and on our uh, video footage coming from Afghanistan lead you to think that things are going to be fine. The Taliban are still the same organisation founded by the same and driven by the same conservative views. And um, I mean, even just this morning, um, you know, on Twitter, I saw uh, a woman who who who, who founded um, Afghan- Afghanistan's only women's boarding school, actually putting the records of her female students into the fire, uh, not to erase them, but to protect them. And I suppose the, the, the reality here is that we're, we're sitting in studio today uh, to talk about the glass ceiling, particularly for women in workplaces in Ireland, um, of all diversities and backgrounds. Um, and we do so in, in a very privileged way in, 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 in the environment that we are allowed to have this conversation openly and question and challenge the system that we're in. But all the time, um, I think, aware of, you know, of course, how far we have come, um, um, but also uh, how far we can fall if we don't keep moving forward. And on that, Paula... Like we've travelled a long distance, particularly when it comes to women in this country and particularly women in business and the supports and opportunities there. Like what, what strikes you about that journey travelled, but what is still to be done here to make sure that we are elevating women and minorities with those glass ceilings in mind? Absolutely. I think it's very interesting what Caroline said about data informing policy. And she was making the point very much that much of the data is male oriented. And in fact, if we look at what's happened around entrepreneurship here, uh, the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor allowed us to sexually disaggregate uh, entrepreneurs and early stage entrepreneurs very clearly back in 2000 when Ireland came involved for the first time. And we saw that two men for every woman were early stage entrepreneurs. And you got a reaction and a positive reaction, I must say, from the Department of Enterprise, who encouraged the development agencies to disaggregate their clients on the basis of gender. And we know what gets measured gets done. So I think that was an important milestone. Moving forward from that, you had the Leos and Enterprise Ireland then very focused on female entrepreneurship. 
But around 2006, 2007, you know, if we knew that there were, well, we did know that there were 800 to 1,000 women starting a business every month, uh, where were they? Because they weren't on the airwaves, they weren't in the newspapers, they weren't obvious. And it seemed to me at the time that it might have to do with aspiration for growth. So within GEM, my co-author, who is Professor Colm O'Gorman of DCU, uh, looked at our data because we do GEM every year, supported by Enterprise Ireland, and we found that seven men for every one woman expected to employ at least 10 after five years. Now, that to me was the real gap, because what you want is that the energy, the enthusiasm that a person, man or woman, puts into a new business or their job is rewarded adequately and not that it falls short. So I think in entrepreneurship, one can see the ceiling as self-imposed there. If you're not aspiring, if you're not ambitious, then you're pulling back. We've seen great progress since then. I mean, you talked about um, going for growth and certainly going for growth, which is to support female entrepreneurs, has made a real difference. And we can show now, looking at those same stats, that you're looking about a three to one difference in terms of women's ambition. Sheena, to come back to you, you read and wrote an incredible column in the Irish Examiner recently and you said, you know, I'm not fine, I'm a shell of a woman. And I was really struck by that, that you were embracing the, I'm not going back, I'm, I'm going forward, where to still unknown. As we all come out of this once in a century lifetime event, what needs to change in terms of our language, the support systems that are there for people? Oh, don't ask me that question because I'd like to change it all. I mean, look, the, for me, um, you know, the issue is actually the system itself, right? So if you're if we're talking about glass ceilings in the context of women and marginalised groups kind of breaking beyond so, so like roles like middle management up into CEO positions or leadership positions in their organisations, we have to accept and acknowledge, uh, first of all, as the first starting point, that if we want to change that, that the system itself actually has to change because the system was built around two main things. One is gender bias and the other other is gender roles. And those things didn't start when I was in college or when I went for my first interview. It started at the very, very beginning when it was indicated what gender I, I was and therefore in many, many ways, the language and the way I was taught and the way I was socialised actually informed how I acted um, and how I was perceived then later in life in the workplace and in my career. And all of those things are important. Um, data, as has been argued very clearly this morning by Caroline as well, extremely important. But that data needs to go beyond just gender binaries. We need to be looking at, you know, marginalised groups, as I said, those from ethnic minorities and migrant backgrounds, those in the travelling community who, for instance, still, if we're talking about glass ceilings, there's still, I think, less than 10 members of the travelling community who have like self-identified uh, and registered uh, with their university as being a member of the travelling community in Ireland. That is a cement ceiling for those people. Um, and I think we need to address all of that within that wider system. And one of the key things I would say is, you know, if you are someone who is listening this morning and you have had, you are having or have had a successful career, don't get comfortable. Um, just because you made it. I'm, I'm an out and proud lesbian woman. I wear a, a snapback uh, to work every day and I am incredibly privileged to be someone who rocks in and blazes a trail around the place. But blazing a trail doesn't actually often make it easier for the next person to come up behind you. So if you're in a position of power and influence, then look behind you at what, where's the ladder coming up for the people next to you. 
So don't get comfortable, Paula, as Shana says. And I think that's what you've managed to do with Going for Growth and other initiatives is bringing like-minded women together and finding their tribe. How important is that? Because we can provide financial supports, grants, subsidies, et cetera, et cetera. But often it's the role models is the key piece in this. The role models absolutely are the key piece. And it's not the role models on the radio. It's not the role models at the conference speaking from the podium. It's getting the role models down around a table where you realise that they have glass feet, that they have the same issues as you have. When we started going for growth in 2007-2008, you know, the people we involved at the time, Anne Herity, Marianne O'Brien, Amanda Pratt, there weren't so many rounds that we could find to become lead entrepreneurs. But I know that, and they all give their time for nothing. I know you're going to be talking to Chupi later. Chupi was a participant on Going for Growth and is now a lead entrepreneur. And um, Maybe this is a good time to bring you in, Chupi. Uh, Chupi Sweetman, founder and CEO of the Chupi Jewellery Business. Chupi, you've gone through Going for Growth as a participant. You're now a voluntary lead entrepreneur. And I remember seeing you on stage saying, we do what we see. And you saying, I have found my tribe here. Like, Just how important has that been for you to sit in rooms with like minded businesswomen? I think it's been incredibly important. It's lovely. Um, every time I hear Paula speak, I'm ready to go and change the world because I think <laughs> that's what Paula has done. That piece of seven men for every woman wanting to grow a, a successful business, wanting to grow a, a business at scale. I certainly felt that when I founded Chupi. So Chupi is just 10 years old. We now employ 60 people. And I remember back at that very start, I'm telling the bank, the the local boards, that I was going to build a business that would employ 150. And having facing that scepticism of thinking, oh, that's lovely. Most female entrepreneurs, isn't it lovely? You're kind of building a lifestyle. And I, that's such a change that we need to institute. And that's what things like Going for Growth do. It's such a phenomenal program because I met women on that course who were as ambitious as I was. I met, uh, I was very privileged to have Bridget Donahue, who's former chairperson of Primark, as my my mentor and it it's phenomenal you see what you you do what you see if you can see it's possible women aren't like we are putting our we are put in boxes early for sure I really think Sheena's right in that you know that's where the ambition comes from and so seeing it and going for growth and seeing those brilliant ambitious women and being part of a group who really truly believe that bigger and better is impossible I 100% built Tupi because of that and Chupi, your mom is the well-known feminist activist Rosita Sweetman, one of the founding members of the Irish women's movement. And so it always strikes me with those values there you speak of and being conscious maybe of not being put in boxes early that, that you grew up from a very early age with strong supportive infrastructure. Like Just how important has that been? And what do you say to other parents and guardians today as we think about rearing our children to be future entrepreneurs and leaders? Oh, I think mum was um, a phenomenal part of my journey. So yeah, my mum is very opinionated and (laughs) brought my brother and I up really to believe we could be anything we wanted to be. Because I do feel there's a failure in the education system um, in that we tell our five-year-olds they can be anything they want to be. Do they want to be a doctor? Do they want to be an astronaut? Do they want to go and change the world? And by the time they've gotten to 10, we're going, okay, we'll think about a sensible career. And then at 15, we're already telling them we're preparing them to fail. We're going, no, get a nice, sensible job. Don't go too big. Don't dream too high. Whereas my mum taught my brother and I, who's also self-employed and runs a film production company. And we both work in very, like, we, I'm in a diamond business. We're in traditional, traditional, untraditional industries. 
but mum's belief in we could do it. And that support structure, I think, changed the world for us. We very much grew up with just this idea we could. And that's the most powerful thing we can do. And that was my, that's the biggest privilege I have. And the thing I'm most aware of as I lead a team of 60 people was that I was taught from a very early age, I could do anything I wanted to do as long as I was prepared to work hard enough. And that, that's the piece that is phenomenal. And that's how something like going for growth, how the idea of helping out. I love Tina's thing of, you know, extend the ladder behind you. I think about our business. We have such a brilliant team of men and women, but we're really, really trying to ensure that they grow and develop. And that's the, that's our challenge for each generation as we come. We make a step forward. You know, I think of all the things my mum and the women's movement did for women in Ireland. And I think about my daughter, my little girl is a year old and the world I want her to grow up in. I want her to grow up in a world where there's none of this seven men to one woman or even three men to one woman piece where she is the equal of all of the brilliant boys in her life. Where do you think Chupi things need to change? You know, we've heard about the support systems that are there investing more in uh, this mentorship piece, making sure there's financial supports there. But are we back to then things like paternity leave, maternity leave, uh, childcare, like initiatives like that to ensure more women are being encouraged to to start and scale their businesses? So I think entrepreneurship is a really interesting one in that the biggest, there's huge challenges. So paternity leave is really important. So at GP, obviously we do 26 weeks for our, our wonderful female team, but equally we've just gone to 13 weeks for our male for our male team. So our dads get 13 weeks when they go and leave. So the state piece for paternity leave right now is two weeks which is pathetic. It's two weeks unpaid and we do 13 weeks fully paid. And our goal by 25, which we hope to actually achieve sooner, is we'll have matched leave for both parents, 26 weeks, no matter what. Because that is such a huge step. It's such a funny thing to talk about male leave as a route to female empowerment, but it's actually vital. Likewise, childcare is a huge, huge issue. I think sometimes we talk about entrepreneurship is so important, but intrapreneurship, keeping brilliant women in business. I think about the women in my business, women who sit on our leadership team, the women who sit at C-suite, the women who sit, our managers and our junior managers coming up. It's as important that they get all those steps in their career as it is supporting entrepreneurship. And a very, very simple way we can start is childcare and support for parents so that women don't end up being forced to leave the workplace. And they can choose to. How wonderful that either parent chooses to be with their babies, but but that they should have the option to go back. Sheena, just to bring you back in briefly, I, I think you believe that women have to value ourselves more and that means negotiating sometimes better. Yeah, well, absolutely. And but I think aside from negotiating better, I mean, prepared to negotiate better is is as important as that as the first step. I mean, um, for me, in my experience, right, like the people who have been uh, the most impactful mentors um, I, I, in preparing me for the workplace and preparing me for, for kind of really going for things that I wanted to do were people who didn't tell me to be exactly like them. So they didn't tell me what to wear or how to present myself. They didn't Uh, you know, uh, tell me and prescribe a behaviour. But what they did do was engage with me on the things that I was good at. They honed my talent. They spotted it and helped me flourish in that. That's really important. If we want boardrooms and we want organisations and companies to look better, to look different, then instead of making everyone look the same, we should value the talents that are there. And Paula, last word to you. The acorns were featured on Countrywide this morning, so we recommend people having a listen back to them. Where would you suggest people go today if they're thinking about looking for supports? 
Well, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for support, I would say if you're already in business, you want to grow it, look at goingforgrowth.com. <laughs> if you're just starting out and you're in rural Ireland, look at Acorns. We're there to help. Look at your local Leo. They're your one-stop shop for starting off. There is a range of supports out there. Let's go for it. Very good. Yep. Pa- 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 <laughs> <laughs> Paula Fitzsimons, Chippy Sweetman and Sheena Cowell, thank you so much for joining me on Reignite today. And if you go to orshi.ie forward slash reignite, you'll see that we've put up a list of organisations and programmes and supports designed to help people succeed in the world of business and work. A reminder that you can text the show on 51551. And coming up after the break, the woman whose TED talk on body language almost broke the internet. <laughs> 